Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Lessons Learned where we will be continuing our discussion about Jordan Peterson's Maps of Meaning. I'm Dylan. And I'm Evan. And today in this episode right here, right now. Oh boy. Jordan Peterson <laughs> will argue that since facing the unknown is unavoidable, evil comes from people's inability to face and learn from that unknown. That inability is rooted in cowardice. And such cowardice leads us all to being capable of evil. Let's talk about it. All right, we're going to start this episode off by, uh, we're going to, Evan's going to reread the question from the end of last week's episode, and then I'm going to read an answer that we got anonymously, but I'm going to read an answer from one of our listeners. Um, and then we're going to chat about it. We're going to chat about what you guys think. So hold on. I have to pull it back up. Oh, I accidentally closed it. Huh? This it's okay. It's okay. Here it is. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. The question is clearly, nope, that's the wrong one. Here it is for real. That's a hint. That's a hint to the end of this episode. Yep. Uh, Jordan Peterson says that people fail to understand the nature of evil. Why do you think that people deny the always possible nature of evil? So the answer we got from one of you guys, our watchers, listeners, whatever you want to do, is people deny the always possible nature of evil because it's less stressful than dealing with it. That's it. What are your, what are your thoughts? Well, first, I think it's funny. Yeah. But two, I actually think it's a really good point. Um because it, like it's a hundred percent true. Mm-hmm. It is far less stressful to go like, um, nah. Right. <laughs> I don't want to consider that. And I and you know it's a great representation um that I think is done very well in Harry Potter. In the scene where um what is it? Uh movie five uh-huh. The one we just watched? Yeah. Where um the minister is denying that Voldemort's back. Yeah. Because it's much easier to say Voldemort's not back. That's not a thing. It's mm. a hoax. It's much easier to run a government like that. It's much easier to control the people and deny that's mm-hmm. a real thing. Up until he literally sees Voldemort with his own eyes and then he can't deny it without just blatantly lying. Sure. And I think that's actually a great reflection of what we see a lot mm-hmm. in, in our lives. I mean, I how often have you heard like a peer at school go, I'm just not going to do the homework. I'm just going to not. It's not there. It's not real. Yeah. I mean, your your gas tank starts getting low. Like, it's not there. And I, I think that's like, I so I think that's actually a really good answer as concise and kind of funny as it is. I mean, yeah, like we, we want to ignore hardships as much as possible because it's their hardships. Right. And acknowledging evil. Why would you work on yourself when you just can pretend you don't need to? <laughs> so. <laughs> How many people do you think are going to go, well, that's not true. <laughs> I work on myself. I just don't acknowledge it. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I think that's a. A solid comment. I'll be curious to see when you, since you brought up the Harry Potter thing, mm-hmm. how your opinion of that, of the minister of mm-hmm. Fudge during that whole situation will change based on this. I already don't like him in the next episode. So... Well, I'm I'm not saying you'll like him or anything, or like him less, mm-hmm. but understand or have a different idea of why he's doing what he's doing, because that's kind of what we're getting into. Yeah, this episode. Will will Dylan learn or will Dylan be stubborn? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then let's get started. It might okay. take a while. Oh, to get to the learning part? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no. Well, so we're in chapter five now. Okay. Which is great. This I'm going to do good. a little bit from his introduction that it's talking about the whole section. Uh, and then we're going to go into the first part of it. And he splits it up into what he calls the adversary. Mm-hmm. And then the second half is what he calls the hero so there are these two opposing people that deal with the unknown in different ways kind of sounds like the bad guy and the hero well and what else he calls it is the hostile brothers 
Ooh. would be like Cain and Abel or Osiris and Seth mm-hmm. or you could say even Christ and the devil. Although they are they're not like, siblings. Right, but the point is that they're these opposing things, one that's heroic, one that's evil and an adversary to good. I could see Jesus with a cape. Yeah. I mean, a robe's kind of like a cape. It just is like a body all the way cape. around. Yeah, yeah. All the way around. Okay. <laughs> like Dracula. <laughs> so there's these two brothers he talks about. Okay. Uh, what he, he starts off by talking about how our culture degenerates naturally. Mm-hmm. It kind of, well, degenerates on its own. Like a brick will erode in harsh weather. Hmm. Um, it'll what, it'll what... crumble because what is done in the past is not always is generally not sufficient to deal with what's in the present Which because is, the present's always unpredictable and yeah it, so it, that's really interesting because that's an exact opposition of what we hear a lot yeah of just like we're always progressing the new thing is the better thing well that's not the opposite it's saying that oh you mean that it's degenerating mm-hmm. yeah he's so he says that it does on its own um we make it happen faster by refusing to admit our errors and failing to adjust appropriately. The opposite side of that is the way that culture wouldn't degenerate is if you're willing to update the culture continuously. But if it stays static, it's degenerating even faster. Okay, yeah. That tracks. Okay. Cool. Like not not fixing the problem, ignoring mm-hmm. it as we kind of just talked about. Right. So, and I'll kind of move through this intro stuff pretty quick because it's not the meat of what we're doing. Yeah. But he spends a little bit of time saying that people that still haven't learned or people still haven't today learned that failure to understand the nature of evil leads to its eventual victory. Mm -hmm. And that's something we've talked about before as people not being willing to look at evil and then it comes up and makes itself evident and it surprises you. Yep. So we've talked about that before. So that's nothing new for us. Um, he gives some definitions of evil. Okay. So I'll just kind of list them here. Evil is rejection and sworn opposition to the process of creative exploration. Okay. So not being willing to explore is evil. Evil is uh, repudiation of the unknown or rejection of the unknown. Willful failure to understand, transcend, and transform the social world. Uh, evil is the desire to disseminate darkness for the love of darkness where there could be light. So he gives a couple Mm. of these definitions of evil. The main theme is not accepting the unknown as something that exists and learning from it. It's kind of where it seems like he's going with it. Okay. That's that's an interesting definition of evil. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not the hugest fan because it feels consequentialist or maybe even morally relativistic. Where as long as you're exploring the unknown, then that's good. Yeah, but you I could would... be exploring better ways to kill someone, and that's certainly not that's good. That's certainly not good, and the FBI would agree with you. That, right. is, that is not good. Right. So You might have a couple but, trucks outside your house. <laughs> but the important thing to know is that is how he's defining it. Sure. Wow, that's okay. Very different than... Yeah, but we'll see how it plays in. I feel like my initial judgment is like that doesn't work. We'll see but if we can change Predominantly it. from what you've said, but also just yeah. because like... We'll see if it'll change. Yeah. Okay. Be, at least somewhat because the whole re- this is the intro. So the whole rest of it's explaining that kind of. Mm-hmm. So, and then he says, everyone has the capacity for evil. Uh, specifically, he says, many kings are tyrants or moral decadence because they are people. And many people are tyrants or moral decadence. So pretty much, you know, we all have the capacity for evil. Mm-hmm. And that's his interest. So that's kind of the big claim. So the rest of this is kind of how you prove that. Okay. So that's what we'll get into. Let's prove it. Any first thoughts? I mean, like I said, just... Interesting? Yeah, well... You're not allowed to say interesting. I know. Our friend does not like that word. And uh, he explained why. It's a good reason. It's a good reason. Um, Interesting offers nothing in regards to what you think of it. Yeah. Because interesting could be good or bad. But that's beside the point. Um, To be more specific, it is... (sighs) I would almost say in direct opposition of what I thought mm-hmm. he was going to define evil as. I mean, okay. like, because I say you say evil and I think malicious intent mm-hmm. 
or something along those lines just to give you like a yeah. snap response answer so like i just don't feel like at least right now it doesn't feel like it ends up tracking like mm-hmm. voldemort learned all these evil spells right and they, so is that good or that well right. by exploring the unknown that has to be good right so which i would argue and you know avada kedavra is not i think that's spell and i think that's what he's trying to figure out so we'll get started then this first part of the episode we'll be talking about what is evil okay like how do you define evil not like that but yeah or what are the aspects of it how does it come about those Mm -hmm. kind of things what does it lead to a little bit sure so some representations of evil he says that satan is the spirit of totalitarianism ideology and hatred of the world i think we'd pretty much agree with that yeah as like a spirit that's Mm -hmm. what satan would prefer to have happen is those things yep um this is interesting he says evil is a natural category and it's not so clearly defined and that it's dynamic and not static so it changes he says we don't yet have an explicit model of evil that can be more useful than the mythical devil so he thinks that spirit of the devil that person that is the devil the character mm-hmm. is the more helpful way of understanding evil than any explicit definition we can give i don't know if i could disagree with it but i don't know if how he was defining the devil at least in my eyes encompasses mm-hmm. the evilness that is the devil and to be clear he is talking about the bible devil beelzebub yes he is actually talking about how it's been represented in the past okay was as evil was represented as satan Mm -hmm. and he's like we don't really have a better way yeah than that to explain it which is ironic yeah i I would say isn't it (laughs) isn't it uh isn't it ironic i don't like that quote so we're gonna skip it good i like skipping quotes let's talk about how we are all capable of evil because of our reason and our pride. Okay. Okay. So he starts off by talking about how the devil is associated with reason because reason leads to pride and the act of presuming omniscience. Is he defining reason at any point here? The ability to reason us being able to reason and think things through. So logic. Yeah. Like, figure it yeah. out. Yeah. So, say it again. The devil is associated with reason because reason leads to pride and the act of presuming omniscience. And omniscience is all-knowing. So, right. hmm. our reason okay. leads to us being prideful and us assuming that we can know everything. I wouldn't inherently say that's what exactly leads to being prideful, though. Well, we'll see. What I'll, I'll keep going, then. Okay. I'll keep going, then. Keep going. And, and, and then if I get sad about it i'll say something so he says that uh omniscience means that the unknown can no longer exist okay which is super dangerous because if you're gonna think i know everything Mm -hmm. i'm I'm prideful i'm arrogant right you know as one does yes i'm a communist maybe i i know things in the mirror and say those words (laughs) yeah every morning i'm omniscient look at Um, you go omniscience but but that's dangerous Mm -hmm. because then you're not going to be open to learning well, yeah. From the unknown. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So it's dangerous to be prideful if it can lead to that or think you're omniscient. Uh, it shows the importance of humility for adaptive capacity mm-hmm. because in order to adapt, and we've actually talked about this before, you don't, you have to admit that you don't know everything. Right. And that you'll be willing to learn. Mm-hmm. So given all of the above, and I guess we can stop for a second to see if you agree. Actually, no, I kind of put my notes out of order here i think something that can help is he says that he uses paradise lost to talk about this a little bit Mm -hmm. which is by john milton uh in one part of it he talks about milton talks about i mean how satan was created and he was kind of like god's number one when he was lucifer Mm -hmm. he was a really good angel super strong and all these kind of things yeah and then Jesus came along mm-hmm. and Jesus was put at number one after God. And this is what's happening in paradise lost. Yes. Okay. So then Lucifer gets really mad because he's like, I'm, I'm the 
I'm the best one. I'm the right man. Yeah. I should be there. Yeah. Right hand man. Yeah. And so he gets envious and he's associated with reason in Paradise Lost somewhat. And so he thinks I should be like God because I I can be that good. Like that's my thing. Ironic. Ironic. <laughs> so they end up going and like they fight and everything. But what that story says to Peterson is that reason can only serve a secondary role to the heroic adaptive capacity. Because if, if Satan or Lucifer is reason, mm -hmm. Christ is the heroic adaptive capacity. That's what we've talked about before, mm -hmm. is that to Peterson, Christ represents the ability to go into the unknown and come back and learn stuff. You know, like that's what he was talking about with the resurrection. Right. So he's saying reason has to serve secondarily to that. Um, so you can use reason, but if it's your primary thing, it's going to lead to pride if you're not humble and willing to admit that you can learn stuff from the unknown. Okay, so what are your thoughts real fast? Real fast? Do you still not like this reason thing? I don't think I do. Okay. I... I feel like there's a lot of jumps you have to make to go from like being able to reason to prideful. Well, I'm okay with it. I'm fine. I, I do I'm like it. Fine with it. I just I don't think it's. I I do not have well, a, a supplemental I guess, think suggestion. About it, for think this. about it this way: if you're only operating based on reason, mm -hmm. and reason does so much for us, mm -hmm. couldn't that lead you to assuming that you don't need anything else? You can just rely on yourself. I, I guess my biggest issue is like reason in of itself and like relying on reason implies that you are relying on learning from what is not known and using reason but to that's, figure that that's, out. That's, that's, a, that's more experience. That's learning from experience. But what is reason, reason then? Is, like what is logic then? Reason is thinking things through uh -huh. and just knowing things from figuring it out. Okay. It's, it's what... Kant talks but, about as a priori. Mm -hmm. It's before experience. You're thinking stuff through. You don't right. need to experience it to know it. Right. First, but so that but to get from to you, <clears throat> but you're still going from unknown reasoning to the known. But you're not experiencing anything new. So there's no unknown there. But how are you not experiencing there's no, something new? There's no unknown that you're not. There's no unknown that you're learning from, through just your reason. You have to be willing to go into the unknown to see new things, to update the way that you see the world instead of reasoning from the way that you see the world right now. I'm going to be honest, I just don't follow. Like, I don't, I guess you're, you're losing me on how is it not coming from the unknown? Like, so are you saying that, like, you know something and then you use reason to continue to know that thing? No, because, well, let's just, uh, Oh man, what can we talk about here? <laughs> well, because there's stuff I want to talk about. Okay, a while later. And I'm just asking really dumb questions. Well, it's not dumb. It's just, I Circular. guess. Circular. I made the connection pretty quick. Sure. Well, it just makes sense to me that reason leads to pride because maybe it's something I've felt before. Mm -hmm. Is I have to kind of check myself here and there and be mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. Man, I can reason through a lot. I'm pretty smart. Like, I got this going on. I do that too, but then I also go, like, I also just now figured that out. So, like, how many people figured that out before me? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, you still figured it out on your own. True. And, I mean, if you're someone that's really smart, especially, and your reason can do a lot for you, mm -hmm. that's absolutely pride. I guess. Yeah, because you think that, you know, I can do a lot. I don't need other but things. But we've had this conversation before about me. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, well, I can, I can fix my car. What's mm -hmm. the difference between me and mechanic? Mm -hmm. And like, I guess you could say that was pride, but, and I'm sure at some point I was definitely prideful about it, but how was that not the unknown is my thing. Which part? The part where I didn't know those things that I then figured out through logic and reasoning. No, you can certainly learn stuff, but you still become prideful of your reasoning. Because you can accomplish things of your own mind. I get it. Like, I get, understand. Okay. I just, I think we live in different presuppositions. Maybe. Or I think we've just experienced it in different ways. 
I understand though. Like I get it. I just like, and I couldn't, I couldn't say it better. Like I couldn't say it better than how Jordan Peterson is saying it now. Mm-hmm. I just am like, it doesn't feel right. It kind okay. of feels gross. It's like sand. It's coarse. It gets everywhere. Well, I think you can see it in stuff like communism and stuff. That is being prideful and arrogant is assuming that you can reason your way to a perfect utopia. Like, I see what you're saying. Like, I understand what you're that, saying. That is, like, prideful. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yourself. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's what he's talking about. I'm just, I'm just going to live there. I'm going to live at the end result. Okay. That's fine. So, we'll talk about um, some people, once they recognize that they have mortal vulnerabilities. Okay. If they can't accept that fact in, like, a positive light or be willing to learn. Mm-hmm. If they're just upset about it, they can create philosophies based on resentment. Okay. And based on a desire for revenge on life. And he talks about this a little bit more in depth in the thing, but we'll get into it next episode too. When he talks about the 20th century atrocities is that's kind of what's happening is some of these more fascist ideas and stuff are a consequence of, uh, their consequence of people wanting like revenge or mm-hmm. being resentful about their, the fact that life can suck. Yeah. Um, so the, this is his character, the adversary kind of how they develop. He says they start in pride. They're prideful of themselves and their own capabilities. Mm-hmm. And then they see what other people have because they're so prideful of themselves that they're not learning. So then they end up getting less than other people that are willing to learn. So then they get envy. And then once they see that people have more than them and they can't get that thing because they're not willing to learn from the unknown, then they want revenge. Right. Yes. And then okay. they get resentful. Yep. So that's kind of the progression for how his adversary works. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Um, they assume that they know for a fact that life cannot get better. Mm-hmm. So they make life worse for themselves and then they get angry and resentful. Because it's like, well, I can't make anything better, so I'm not going to try to. So then it actively gets worse, and then they just get bitter and resentful because everything sucks all the time. That really sounds... Can I hit a hot topic button? Can oh, I go for it? Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Go for it. We need alarms and sirens. I want a button. Trigger warning. Um to be completely honest it sounds like a lot of people you see in like secular culture mm-hmm. like most all of them mm. well um life is kind of meaningless and i hate it so i'm going to go ahead and do a bunch of these wild crazy things like i'm going to start i'm going to change my gender because everything right now is miserable so i'm going to change it mm-hmm. but i mean we have the studies that show that leads to nothing but misery mm-hmm. So then they're more miserable than they were before. And then you, you see all the stories where somebody transitioned and detransitioned and they were like, holy crap, that was awful. That was like the worst years of my life. That was miserable. And it's like, that's exactly what we're seeing today right now Mm -hmm. is like people basically like loathing in their own self misery to the point where they make things harder just for the sake of like, I like I, they're going to be that way. I'm going to do that right? because I'm already miserable, which is like very unfortunate, but like more importantly, I think it should be addressed more often. Hence, yeah. I wanted to address it. I agree. That's fair. Yeah. I think it is a big deal. Um, he kind of ends this section by saying that it is voluntary willingness to do what is known to be wrong, despite the capacity to understand and avoid such action that most particularly characterizes evil. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, I think it's related to what you were getting at about so many people being like that today is they can do what they know to be wrong because they think that nothing matters. Yeah. Um, Even if they feel like it's wrong, they can justify it in some way. Yeah. And I, this comes down to like the problem of like, not believing in like this ultimate good mm-hmm. like that there is good that there should be a moral structure that shouldn't be changed mm-hmm. and 
Because when you start going, well, I can change all the morals I want, and then you start bending things and start twisting things until there isn't a structure. And then the reason the structure was there was to kind of help guide you through your life so you didn't fall into this chaos and abyss of depression and anxiety right. that you've just created for yourself. Right. And yeah, he thinks that kind of the most evil thing to do is voluntarily doing what you know is wrong. Yeah. Even when you can know it's not. Yeah. So... That's kind of where he ends that section. He moves on next. How do we act out this evil? Mm-hmm. So I, I think I like what he says here. So he talks about cowardice kind of in the face of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about how adaption and experiencing the unknown can be terrifying because mm-hmm. obviously it can be scary well, to experience new stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're not ready. Right. When so, you're just thrown into it. Yeah. That's like, that's rough. Yeah. So those who flee from it, can be understood sympathetically Mm -hmm. because we can all relate to that unknown being scary. Um, He does say that this can lead to a desire for childlike ignorance to go back to that paradisal state from Mm. last episode where you can just kind of pretend like it doesn't matter or that you don't know about the unknown. You just kind of do whatever and act like it's fine. Yeah. Um, And another way he kind of phrases it is that we reject our capacity for transcendence mm-hmm. and that just means his learning from the unknown and getting better and stuff we can reject our capacity for transcendence due to the required exposure to the unknown so having to face new things can kind of just turn people away from trying to be better yeah well i i i mean we we see it a lot is like you you have to be you have to want to accept what is happening mm-hmm. or else it's completely pointless like you're not going to be able to walk up to your friend who might really have a problem with alcohol and you really want to try to change that for them. Mm-hmm. And unless they're willing to accept it, will not accept that reality. Right. And it's unfortunate. And I wish we encourage, I wish we, and more often in our society, did we encourage like facing the hard truths, facing reality and supporting each other. But I think it comes also, I think it also comes down to the fact that a lot of the problems we see is I would argue, obviously this is from a Christian standpoint Mm -hmm. as we are, but a lack of Christianity. Wait, you're Christian? Yeah. Oh, believe it or not. Okay. I think like a huge lack of Christianity in our lives is like a huge problem because think about it. If as a Christian, we want nothing more than to love and help each other. Mm -hmm. Anything you do that I look at you and say, Hey, you shouldn't do that. Or, Hey, like that's bad isn't from a judging place at least in some people it is yeah for some people it is but hopefully hopefully it's not but if i were to come to you and i was like hey evan like you know i i know like cigarettes are like a thing but you should really stop because i'm worried about you Mm -hmm. at full disclosure Evan does not smoke cigarettes but for the sake of an example to you that would be like oh my friend's concerned about me because i know his heart's in a good place whereas a lot of what we see in secular culture is Nobody's coming from a good place. Nobody has moral structure. Nobody has this, like, I have a goal to help my friends, to support my community, mm-hmm. to love God, and to spread good word. I want good for everyone because we are all children of God. Secular culture doesn't believe that at all. So you could have somebody, and I've been in this situation, where you think you're doing the right thing, and they go, hey, I'm just trying to help you, and you're doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So then you go, oh. I thought I was, no, 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 that's the wrong thing. So then you end up doing the wrong thing because that's, you, you thought they were coming from a place of help. So then as you learn and you go, crap, that wasn't right at all. Yeah. Why would you believe the next person? Right. Why? So the, the fundamental problem we see in society, and I think the thing he's addressing, the problem of like, well, you know, people are susceptible to doing bad things. Mm Mm-hmm. Is because we're not here to support each other. We're here to serve our own greedy necessities in a right. secular culture. Like our own vices come up all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's and we're not, ridiculous. And a lot of people aren't willing to deal with those in themselves. No, because it's hard. Right. But again, like you, so, okay, so you don't want to be a Christian. Fine. You don't want to believe in God. Fine. You don't want to have believe in moral structure. Fine. Look at the consequence. Right. I mean, J- Jordan Peterson did. Well, well, we will know about that next episode. We will, but... He logicked himself to mm-hmm. it. I firmly believe Jordan Peterson logicked every which way, shape, or form. It's a good and, verb. Uh, 
and a brilliant man too. Mm -hmm. So what avenue did he not cross that you think you did? Right. Like, yeah. So that's the extreme end. Mm -hmm. Kind of what the, what we'll go over next episode. Let's talk about what we all do right now. We're going to talk about lying. Ooh. So a lie is a straightforward voluntary rejection of what is currently known to be true. Mm -hmm. Pretty simple. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's just saying what's not true. Mm-hmm. What's currently known to be true. Yes. I should say. He does admit that there is objective truth. Like you can think that your car works, but maybe it doesn't. It just... The objective truth is that it does not work. Yeah. So it is, he's clarifying it's what's currently known to be true. He says the liar chooses his own game, sets his own rules, and then cheats. Mm. Seems beneficial, right? Because he can win that way. I don't think it's beneficial, but... What he says is... Well, at first, like, the liar does that because it can help them win. Yeah. Right? What he says is, this cheating is failure to grow, to mature. It is rejection of the process of consciousness itself. So you can lie as much as you want. You're not going to be growing at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And he talks about how lying is rewarding short-term but dangerous Mm long-term. He actually calls it the abstract equivalent of running away. Mm, yeah because you are not facing you're running truth. away from the truth yeah, yeah. you're literally because you are opposite according to him and he's pretty harsh on people that lie which is fair yeah you're either too weak to face the truth mm-hmm. or you're too cowardly yeah and you're just scared of it yeah those are kind of his two main motivations well and and that's this is a good time to bring up the harry potter thing yes okay is the the comment that we had was seeing it more as the convenience thing of not doing it. Yep. Which I think is a it's a it's a fine way to think about it. The way that Peterson would frame it more so is that fudge would be too afraid of the consequences of that mm-hmm. being the truth. Yeah. So he's just going to reject it outright. Yeah. As being even possible. Yeah. And you can obviously see the consequences of it. Well, and I something Peterson talks about uh, I listened to the episode where he's being interviewed by his daughter mm-hmm. um, regarding uh, Canada trying to remove his license as a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, but he discusses with a lot of passion, as Jordan Peterson does, why lying is so bad. And right. he's and he's talking well, about why. <laughs> yeah, he's talking about it. Well, I'm truthful. I haven't lied. So when I'm in the face of court and they're like grilling me, right. I don't need to go like, oh, what did I say? Right. I just tell the truth. Yep. And it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about, you know, the breakdown of like what a liar has to endure and what they have to be good at and stuff right. and just how preposterous it is for a human being to desire to put themselves in that situation. Right. Well, and yeah, along those lines, what he says about liars is that lying shrinks one's domain of competence and instead of expanding it. So they become underdeveloped, personality speaking. They basically haven't practiced dealing with the unknown. Mm. So when you lie to yourself all the time or other people, yeah. then when the unknown comes up, you really don't have many options with dealing with it. Yeah, well, because you're unpracticed. Yeah. Yeah. What? <sighs> Interesting, right? So I have a question for you. Oh, please do. Knowing the above, knowing... Oh, he also talks about it. Lying is typically a sin of omission. So lying is not doing something, not saying something more than it uh, is actively doing it. Doing, yeah, yeah. Um, so he makes that distinction. But here's a question for you. Knowing all of this, is there a time to omit the truth? Yes. Okay. When it's your girlfriend's birthday and you're trying to surprise her. Mm. Okay. <laughs> That's the one time. That's the only time. When... No, because... Even in difficult situations, you're a parent mm-hmm. and your child's like, what's death? Yeah. You can be like, it's not real. <laughs> mm-hmm. My my young summer child, uh, your friend made that up. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I'm sure you can do that, but it's not in the long run. It's not going to be a solution. I don't know, because I think from the perspective of not even just like being a Christian, you know, lying's bad. But, like, in the long run of your life, what what does the lying provide other than temporary satisfaction, mm-hmm. which is a sin, you know? 
um there's a lot of things that are temporary satisfactions and, and if you look at just like the the longevity of the lie um not to play politics or anything but a certain um <laughs> president uh may or may not have been less than honest mm-hmm. about his college experience mm. um and there's actually a video of joe biden from way back when he was claiming he had three degrees he was on full academic scholarship graduate at the top of his class and back then little harder to disprove it ironically enough the, the university did come out and say all of that was fabricated yeah but um back then little harder to prove these things nowadays you just google it dude dolphins you can bring them on land. They're totally fine. Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't think that's true. Hey, Google, let me just ask this phone. Let me ask this computer yeah. in my pocket. But what satisfaction... But the downside is that then everyone thinks... Everyone at Google that heard you say that thinks you're an idiot now because you just asked if go- dolphins can go on land. Yeah, I guess. If, so, if you're really concerned about the people that work at Google, sure. Hey, man, I'm just saying. But, I mean, look, like, so then let's look at um, Biden's perspective in that moment. Mm-hmm. What did he gain from ragging on somebody else saying that he was smarter? Temporary satisfaction. Right. Or some temporary credibility. Right. Or some... Which was immediately disproven. So what was worse? Mm-hmm. Being honest in the moment and being like, you know what? You're right. Like, I am not all of these things. But you know what? I'm going to keep working hard right. and prove you wrong. Or getting the temporary satisfaction and then immediately after mm-hmm. getting burned by the very university you attended. Yeah. And we don't we don't know about his whole personal life or anything like that, but... Just with liars, like people that are really prone to it often, Mm -hmm. they get so many going that in order to keep it from catching up, they kind of have to keep lying over and over again. Over and over. Well, and then it stops making sense. Right. And I'm not going to like say anything in specific, but I've definitely experienced that plenty in my life. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, with the lie going over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then you go, wait, but yesterday you said this. No, I didn't. Right. Are you, are you sure? Yeah. Because here's the recording of you or here's the, yeah, the text you sent. And I, I'm sure we've all experienced that in our lives. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's interesting is Peterson says that I hadn't thought about this. Lying is based in a desire for security rather than a desire for freedom. Mm. Um, the the security is not having to deal with the unknown. Mm-hmm. You're kind of trying to suppress external and internal deviations from what you might expect. Yeah. As you're going about your day to day. So really what, when you're lying, you're just, you are sacrificing the freedom of truth for some temporary security mm-hmm. because you don't want to know what the truth can bring in the unknown. Yeah. Which is a really interesting way to think about it. It is an interesting way. I I think ultimately I, I let, let me ask you this question. It's my turn, Evan. Go for I it. I get to ask you a question. Go for it. In what situation would lying not bring some level of temporary satisfaction? Would it not bring satisfaction? Mm-hmm. Mm, I really did put you on the spot here. No, it's fine. I'm just thinking. I don't do you what do you mean by satisfaction like if i say oh well i have a phd mm-hmm. boosts my ego right you know makes people think i'm a little so are you talking about that personal satisfaction of making you feel better well and then on top of the fact that those who hear the lie believe mm-hmm. you're not at least in the moment give you that satisfaction well i think the only lie that would count there's the kind that doesn't happen is where you lie and say something Mm-hmm. bad that happened sure. or something bad that you did right but how but but that's not gonna but happen. i i've met people that lie about bad things that have happened in their lives because the satisfaction mm-hmm. of knowing that everyone thinks they're tough to have well, endured it well i don't mean something bad that happened in their life i mm-hmm. mean something that you did that was bad oh like but, oh but, yeah i punched my girlfriend the other day yeah like no one's gonna lie and say that because I don't think that would be the kind of lie that offers anything, but no, but one's what, if, lie what if you were that. in the group that thought that was good? There's plenty of guys sure. out there that think that are good. So I feel like the only time you would make that lie, if it was a lie would be to create satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So then, then there probably isn't really a lie that 
that doesn't, doesn't give you something. Well, because I mean, even if you're looking at like raising kids, if you lie to them mm-hmm. because you don't want to explain it, there's the satisfaction of like, oh, not they are deal satisfied. With it right now. Yep, yeah. I don't have to deal with it. So I think that I think lying really does at its core break down to a mm-hmm. like sinful nature of I want easy satisfaction. Yeah, I agree. And the the real danger of it, he gives some really good imagery about this. He says what could be life-giving liquid, which would be the the unknown mm-hmm. when you explore it, becomes a deadly swamp composed of past errors, unresolved traumas, and current difficulties. Yeah. So it becomes hard to navigate. It ends up slowing you down more than it's actually helping. Um, and an important aspect of it, of this that he brings out in this section is that lying does not remove the things not liked. It only turns them into threats that can't be utilized. Yeah. Is that... You like that one? Or I like that one. I like that when you lie about something, you're not getting it. You're not taking it out of the picture. Mm-hmm. You're just making it... Instead of something that could have had potential to help you, mm-hmm. you've now made it a threat. Yeah. You've made that truth a threat. Yeah. So it just gets more and more dangerous... Every the more time. you do it, you're giving yourself yeah. more landmines that you have to navigate. Yeah. Well, be, I'm as a parent, you lie to your kid. Now mm-hmm. in the future, when they ask you again, you have to remember what you said. Or if they ask you, but why, as many children do, yeah, you now have to explain, but <clears throat> why this imaginary thing you just made up? So, ugh. Ugh. yeah. So, so that's our liars. Okay. Now we can kind of answer the question, who is the adversary? The liars. What would you define this character of the adversary as after everything we've gone over? An evil liar. Okay. I I guess. I don't know. Say didn't we just talk about how the adversary is Satan? That's the that's the mythological or religious representation. So how would I define Yeah. If if I if I need to like define something to just plop on people, sure. What would you define the adversary as? Somebody who willingly and knowingly denies the possibility of the unknown for the sake of satisfaction that is only temporary. I like that. The only thing I would add in is that it usually comes from a place of weakness or cowardice. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. But yeah, no, okay, I, I like that. that. Yeah, yeah, So Cool. I should write a book. Exactly. Doctor. Write a whole book about it. Doctor, <laughs> but in parentheses, self-proclaimed. <laughs> He's perfect. Self-proclaimed Dr. Dylan. Hey, if you can identify as a doctor, you're a doctor. <laughs> All right. You can identify as a lot of things. So, for this spot, uh, he says that heroism, to contrast what we've been going over, okay. heroism is accepting what is is not what could be. Say it, say it again. So, heroism... It is what it is not could be. Oh, sorry. There's two is's right next to each other. Oh. What is, is not what could be. Okay. What is right now is not what could, could be. eventually be. Yes. That's what heroism is. Okay. It's accepting that we don't know everything right now. Yeah. Everything is not as good as it could be necessarily. Mm-hmm. The adversary assumes that they know all... Mm-hmm. They know it's not going to get better. They right. know that they know enough about the world that they can just lie their way through it mm-hmm. because they're that smart. Yeah. Um, Which is ironic because if you're that smart, why are you lying? Right. If you're right, then why are you being exactly. less than honest? So they assume that they know all and that they have conquered the unknown because they got rid of it because they're just lying about it. So they, it's <laughs> they like, just denied it. It's like the, yes, it's like the unknown is outside of our door. We closed the door. Unknown locked, conquered. And we locked that door. Yeah. And yes. we were like, you know, the key, I melted it. Exactly. Blowtorch, dude. So that's kind of what it is. Um, and in doing that, they are denying their own vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you've gotten rid of the unknown, you think you know well obviously you're not vulnerable to anything well as alfred says in the christopher nolan batman series Mm -hmm. why do we fall so we can pick ourselves back up exactly and he says uh, avoidance avoiding the unknown exploring the unknown Mm -hmm. weakens the personality because it cannot act in a large number of circumstances successfully 
Because mm. that's what we talked about earlier. They can't practice anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, they can't practice facing the unknown and stuff. So they're not going to be good at it if they need to. So then when they need to, they'll screw themselves over more by lying again. Yeah. Um, so he says, the person who avoids will become more and more likely to avoid in the future because they're not equipping themselves with the strength to face the truth. I just keep thinking about all the college students that I've interacted with. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Oh, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> That's pretty much all I have. So, okay. So. Uh, just, okay. So like before I, before we were friends mm-hmm. in the dark ages, um, I didn't know who Ben Shapiro was, but I had like heard about him uh-huh. and I was like, Oh, I don't really have like a definitive opinion. And <clears throat> The group of people I was hanging out with. Theater were... kids. <laughs> it was more than theater kids. But... Put you on blast with that one. Maybe. Yeah. A, a lot on blast. But they they said the problem with Ben Shapiro was that he didn't give his opponents time to talk. And he mm-hmm. would just talk over them and just ram everything at their throat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's not like a very productive way to like have a discussion. Again, had not seen any of his videos. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, yeah, that's not a very like productive discussion. And then I said, but like, is he ever wrong? <laughs> and they're <laughs> silence. Yeah. Followed by anger. Followed by, yeah, of course he's wrong. Why do you think he didn't want the other person to talk? <laughs> huh. And I was like, well, I guess that makes sense. Okay. And then I finally watched some of his videos and I was like, but he proves himself right. So like in their world, they had to deny that what Ben Shapiro was saying was correct. Mm -hmm. Because if they accepted that as the truth, then what they believed as a person, they would either have to acknowledge that they're completely and totally wrong Mm -hmm. or they would have to change what they were doing. Well, and not only that, but in doing so, they don't equip themselves against the type of arguments that Ben Shapiro or people mm-hmm. that are like him might make. Like the legendary Michael Knowles and Matt Walsh. So then once they come in contact with someone that makes those arguments, mm-hmm. instead of potentially being prepared right. with a counter response, yeah. they've got nothing. Well, and and that I think that's such a shame because I think what we would see is a lot more diversity and a lot more um, just more intelligent and open to discourse to people in our communities Mm -hmm. and i think that's more than fine like obviously like sometimes you have a presupposition that just doesn't line up with some somebody else you know you have fundamental disagreements but the problem is when you are unwilling to have discourse with another individual Mm -hmm. because they disagree with you and they've proven you wrong so much that you deny it you're never gonna be able to not be proven wrong Mm -hmm. so then you have to live in this world of dishonesty right and it, it just sounds so unfortunate. Yeah, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, you are. You're shooting yourself in the foot. And it's so unfortunate. Yeah. Because you don't have to do that. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if it's a an easiness thing or the cowardice thing or if it's a lack of foresight. You know, Jordan Peterson talked about how he got people who didn't like what he said and yeah. did not to go to his lectures when he was, like, touring schools. By making it at 8 a.m. By making it at 8 a.m. So I would argue that, like, hey, lying... I have class at 8 a.m. I know so. you. You're, you're a big boy. I'm just saying. Big boy. But my point is, is I would argue that it is about simplicity. It's about the easy satisfaction, the mm-hmm. temporary, quick, and easy satisfaction of, well, nope, you're just lying. I, I don't believe you. I think that's a lot of what our culture is about today, mm-hmm. is definitely taking the easy road... Oh, yeah. especially in one, if we ever go over rise and triumph of the modern self, we, we definitely, yeah, might that, that talks about our ideas of what ourselves should be mm-hmm. and what culture does for us is all about making things easier for ourselves. Yeah. And there's really not much conforming to culture mm-hmm. or moving beyond yourself or improving yourself. One of my least favorite things to hear is be yourself. Oh, I was thinking about this the other day. Okay. I don't like hearing be yourself. Please elaborate. A 100% better thing to say is make yourself better. Mm. Yeah. Cause be yourself would imply that there's nothing wrong. There's nothing you have to improve on. Yeah. 
which is just like false mm-hmm. and you can't prove me wrong you just yeah. can't there's no way you can prove me wrong because like be yourself okay well at three years old if you tell a three-year-old be their self and they they're can not going barely far. read it, they're not going far no i i ultimately and and i'll kind of close with this point mm-hmm. i think it is a gosh darn shame that we live in a world where people want the simple satisfaction the easy way when we are surrounded by so much useful technology so many tools mm-hmm. that could leap us years and bounds ahead of where we are right now mm-hmm. but only if people use the tools instead of getting the satisfaction. Yeah. I think it's something we all struggle with in mm-hmm. varying degrees, but I think it's something important to acknowledge. Yeah. And it's a shame. Yeah. So don't lie to yourself. People. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't lie. Period. Well, do you have anything else before I ask uh, our ending question? Don't lie to yourself. Period. Okay. Two times. That's cool just it was no it's fine yeah no they got to hear it again it's like santa when he goes ho 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 like he says it three, three times. times okay three laughs yeah okay michael jackson only has two he he what you're right i know i'm Technically, right that's correct <laughs> okay let's get this question in okay clearly according to jordan peterson we are all capable of evil do you think that evil is therefore a part of human nature yeah so that's where we're gonna end it all right <laughs> am i ending it again this week I, you know i really liked how you ended it last week okay um so that's your new job that's fine i i just everyone, had to know if that was a thing this is a verbal and for some of you visual contract right here right now visual you contract. are contracted visually and audibly to contract. end these episodes okay well i didn't sign anything Okay, well, you're verbally signing. <clears throat> okay, whatever. You do it. You Fine. end this episode, you're you're contracted. Well, hey, guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a good week. I hope mm-hmm. last week was good. Think about it. I hope this week's better. Is evil part of human nature? Do you see it in your life at all? Are you ignoring it? Don't ignore it. Fight Don't against lie. it. Don't lie, period. Don't lie. Three Tune times. in next week. See what we've got going on. We'll have maybe an answer to this. Jordan Peterson will have his answer to it, and he's pretty impassioned about it. Mm. So get ready for that. Yeah. Thanks for watching. This is Lessons Learned. Bye. Bye.